Hello everyone, it's Precious Pioneer and welcome to another episode of Precious the Foodie. If you're new, um, welcome. We're glad to have you. Uh, this is a show where we talk about the food we eat and how it shapes us and connects us all. And this week's episode is going to be a little spicy, probably more than the Sriracha episode. Um, I don't know. I love finding hidden truths where we've been lied to as a kid. Um, I don't know about you, but we've all grown grew up being taught about the four basic tastes, salty, sweet, bitter, sour, that could or tongue in certain areas, like you'll get super sweet taste on the super tip of your tongue and then bitters more towards the back and then sweets more towards the left side and sour towards the right. And then these taste buds are what cover our tongues so we can taste things. And honestly, about like half of, maybe half of that is true. First off, all your taste buds kind of coat your tongue evenly. Um, they are slightly more crowded in certain areas. Like bitter is definitely true in the sense that there's more like bitter taste buds towards the back because you're able to taste it, like have an aftertaste. But other than that, there's not really true. And there's so much more because there's actually a whole nother taste bud and it's led to some mystery, some controversy. So, ooh, mommy, bring your tea, honey, because this week we're talking about umami and MSG. umami actually tastes like you ask it's actually the fifth taste that we have out of the four I described earlier it's used to describe an incredibly rich and savory flavor think of like a very warm or hot bowl of soup think of sauteed mushrooms sprinkled with parmesan and a dash of soy sauce and a bit of garlic and voila you just had an umami flavor bomb. It can be found in our day-to-day -day, like tomatoes, mushrooms, parmesan, and meats. But how do we get this flavor? What is the genetic makeup of umami? So everything that we eat is structured with amino acids, one of them being glutamate. It's found naturally in nature and vegetables and all that razzle-dazzle, but the more glutamate something has, the more umaminess that we get. So don't confuse glutamate with gluten because it's not. Gluten is a completely different protein structure. In fact, when you think of gluten, you can probably make a connotation of like breads and bread loaves and breads and breads. That's all I've got, but we're talking about glutamate. So we're born craving glutamate because it's found in your mother's breast milk, which is 10 times higher in glutamate than cow's milk. Anyway, the stigma is that MSG is bad and it causes sickness and back pain and headaches and fatigue and soreness and blah, blah, blah. But MSG is monosodium glutamate, which basically is umami in its purest form. You can buy a bag of it in an Asian market like a bag of salt. It's not only, it not only makes your dishes more savory, more rich, but in it enhances the other flavors around it. I added a bit of umami to my omelet the other day and it melted me. It's flavorful, but not salty, but it brings out and elevates all of the other components around it. Like the tomatoes, bam, the onions, like, whoa. The herbs are popping, highlighting every feature. It takes a dish at a level five and bumps it up to a nine. It's the IG filter everyone needs on their palate. 
it's the glutamate, it's the glutamate that's attached to the salt with only 12% of the sodium. Yet companies are proud to be MSG-free, MSG but even the FDA approves of MSG since 1959. And as a natural compound, how did we get there? Well, let's take a brisk walk through history. traveling back to the days of 1908. Kikune Ikeda, um, I probably mispronounced his name a little, so Google will help me out a bit. Kikune Ikeda. Yes, him. A professor at Tokyo Imperial University was eating his broth, eating a broth that his wife had made. And he was eating it and he was so interested in the components of this soup. It was so rich, but there wasn't any taste to identify the flavor. We know now that he was eating kombu dashi, which is a seaweed broth soup. And the seaweed is actually what produces that rich umami flavor. But people have been eating and cooking with umami, umami generations, like generations long before, from fermentation in ancient Rome to the famous French chef, Gustave Escoffier, in the late 1800s. Um, for the Japanese, it was dashi and kombu, seaweed with dried bonito flakes, Chinese uh, leeks and cabbage for their chicken soup, um, as do the Scots with their similar dish called kakalaki soup, which is another version of a cabbage soup. And then, as we commonly know, the Italians with their mushrooms and tomato sauce and parmesan cheese. In 1985, umami was the official label to describe glutamate. But the controversy starts when in 1968, a letter from a Chinese physician named Kwok published his symptoms after eating Chinese food in the New England Journal of Science, saying how he experienced neck pain and heart palpitations and general weakness. He noted that he didn't only feel these symptoms after eating out, but experienced these pains and aches 15 minutes of eating Chinese food. He made notes thinking that it was in relation to the high sodium levels in the food or maybe the soy sauce. But two correspondents responded saying that it was caused by MSG indigestion and that the food preparation in Chinese restaurants included large quantities of MSG. Kwok literally just reported his observations eating takeout and named it the Chinese restaurant syndrome. With zero fact or scientific backing, he was literally like, I ate fried chicken, orange chicken probably the other day with maybe a side of rice. I ate so much, but I started to feel a bit ill. It could be from the soy sauce or maybe the wine. Some suggest that it's probably the MSG that all the Asians use in their cooking. I think that's it. So doctors warn your patients and be on the lookout for these symptoms. And then it went viral. Like the, I guess the old time version, uh, as viral as it could go in that day and age. I mean, nobody was tweeting the stuff, but you know what I mean. It spread and it's a myth by frankly, a racist bias. Like they named this the Chinese restaurant syndrome. Like if you eat at any Chinese restaurants, it'll make you sick. What? Like, uh, it just blows my mind. Like obviously Chinese takeout, like when people order 
any takeout for the matter. I mean, it's not like the super healthiest thing, you know, because, you know, it's fried chicken. But like if you eat a lot of it, yeah, your body's not going to feel super happy. It's just that's just how your body works. But he literally was like, yo, like I ate this and I feel kind of sick. So uh, worn out for watch out for these Chinese restaurants. And then, yeah, so MSG got a really bad rep. So thank God for 2019, the progression, the progressive era where we actually surface the facts that this guy probably felt a bit sick, not from one single ingredient, but because he was eating fried greasy food. It is takeout after all. And that's that there's literal zero science backing this up. Just thoughts and feelings. He sh probably should have just tweeted it, not publishing it in the Journal of Science but it led to a super flawed assumption about MSG. So today we're trying to right our wrongs and today scientists are up to some really good stuff um, because there's nothing and hasn't ever been any ties to health risk and consumption of MSG. Remember, MSG is found, or glutamate is found in regular things like tomatoes, mushrooms, etc. And though there's always the other side who are like, no, MSG is bad, we're testing it. The test that they showed, they tested on animals injecting super concentrated doses of MSG, MSG in their labs, but that doesn't really parallel to bringing in, like sprinkling in a tablespoon or, or two into your saute pan. Like there's no accurate equivalent to that. And so, of course, there are going to be the people who claim to be MSG sensitive, quote unquote, and maybe they might just be like, so if you are like, oh, okay, whatever. But remember, it's in all of those foods that I mentioned, even breast milk, not just Chinese food. And scientists are calling people out on their BS, being really frank. They're just calling people out and they're bringing them in to experiment them on the, on the placebo effect of Chinese food by blinding them and serving them MS high quantity, quantity MSG foods. And for the sensitives out there, um, they're able to determine, um, for the sensitives out there, they should be able to determine the MSG compounds in their food because they're sensitive to it. So if they eat, I don't know, a pasta dish with tomatoes, like I said, mushrooms and things, they should be like, oh, I'm feeling sick, you know? And so if they aren't able to, Sorry, that's my puppy dog. I don't know if you can hear her. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> sorry, that really distracted me. <laughs> anyway, but it's I find it really funny because scientists are calling people out. And if, they, if the sensitives aren't able to identify the MSG in their food, they're calling it the nocebo effect. Because, like I said, it was founded on a racist bias. So it's just like... It's for those sensitives out there who like have who aren't able to identify it. It's like they're they just believe that the food will make them ill based on the fake facts, I guess. Um, and there's even research nowadays in 2019. There's research studies where MSG can be a great thing for elderly people because umami increases sal salvate not salvation like Jesus, but salivation like for, you know, like a moist mouth, I suppose, and an appetite and it helps them to eat more. It also helps people lose weight or to monitor their blood pressure because like I said, it's a lower sodium alternative than salt, but it doesn't sacrifice flavor. And so I, I guess the, the main takeaway is 
add elements of umami to your cooking or dishes to elevate its richness and quality. And MSG is recognized as safe and with actual scientific backing. But please don't take my word for it. Google is free 99, uh, which brings me back to my last point. 2019 brings change and new information, but not informa but not all information is 100% reliable, especially with the hashtag fake news on trend. Be careful about your sources. If there is any raw egg trend tomorrow to lose 20 pounds in a week, I want y'all to stay sharp and to question it to its fullest. To do your research, don't just read a headline and take it for fact. That's how these issues even curate. You know, Quark should have never had a platform to be like, yo, this is bad on some random news. You know, it could have been his lunch that he ate earlier that day. Like, we just do not know. He's, we didn't even, there wasn't any identification of his meal that he ate that said, no, this is the specific element that made me sick. Um, but yeah, but... I guess in general, like I, I know you're all smart and you're looking for these answers to confusing food questions and to that, I got you. But please eat well, eat smart, and thanks for listening to my pod. If y'all love it, share it with a pal, leave a review, hit me up and ask questions. Like I really wanna know all of your questions. You can find me everywhere on any platform, Instagram, Twitter, as Precious Pioneer. I love interacting with each and every one of you. I love and appreciate all of your constant support and your kind words. Um, but as, as always, live life with love and love food with life. Peace.